Thank you for blessing us with sweet time of worship. Welcome, y'all. It's good to see you, and let's come before the Lord in worship and or in, in prayer before we study His Word. We pray with me, Lord God. We're thankful for this morning. Sing praises praises unto you, and knowing that you hear our praises. You know our hearts. You're glorified when we come and give thanks and sing of your wonders and all that you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that that you would stir within us such a song in our hearts that, um, that this week would be filled with praise unto you. Make us, your people, a thankful, thankful people. We pray that through the the power of of your perfect word this morning, that you'd accomplish that in our hearts. Be glorified now, Lord, through our service. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the last couple weeks... My wife has encouraged me to throw some things away that have accumulated at our house. And so there's been a couple truckloads so far that have gone to the dump. And if you've never been to the dump, it's quite the experience because you, you huck stuff out of the back of your truck or car or whatever it is. And then there's some people who go through and look and take stuff that you've thrown out and they put it into their car because it's apparently valuable to them, but to me, it's just taking up space. And there's lots of stuff at the Otsuji home that we have not used for um, forever. And so those are some of the things that we're, we're getting rid of. And, and if, if, if I were to have something like this at my house, a block of, of wood, um, I think that, that this would have been one of the things I took to the dump. Because I don't know what to do with something like that. I would probably... I'd look at it and think, well, this could probably be good for something. Um, I would think maybe like behind my tire if I'm parked on a hill and for some reason my, my brake wasn't going to work. It's just a piece of basswood that's here coming someplace from the east coast I I don't know what else I would do with it maybe put it in a stack of stuff that if we do a beach bonfire or something like that it would join in with that group of wood that would probably burn well Um, the idea of carving something like this it, it would never even enter into my brain to think what could I make? What could I do with it? The extent of my carving skills is to take a stick and to sharpen it to where if one of my kids fell while carrying it, it would impale them. That's all I've ever carved in my life is a stick making it pointy. That's about as good as it gets. But Someone else may look at something like this and think, 
What can I do with that? What can I make? It depends on how good the, the workman is that has the ability to create something. I don't have those kind of artistic abilities at all. On our honeymoon, Tosh and I were on a boat in New Zealand going through these gorgeous fjords. And, and uh, we realized there was one thing that we didn't know about each other is, do you have any artistic ability? And she's like, oh, not really. I go, let's have a competition. Let's see who could draw the best bunny. <laughs> so we did. Um, I tried my hardest. And when she saw it, she laughed like to the point where tears were flowing from her eyes. <laughs> and she said, it looks demon-possessed. <laughs> and it did. It did. It probably was. And... And so I don't have the ability to do stuff like that. There's no artistic abilities in me. But one of our church members, Chris Langford, here sitting next to his wife, Dale, um, he, he can do stuff with stuff like this that's, that's radically different. He looks at a block of wood like this and thinks, what can I make? And he makes stuff. And he takes that thing and goes and enters into world championships for wood carving hand wood carving and and he wins first place at times in the world for carving out of the same similar piece of, of basswood he he made this just if this falls I'm dead huh it, it, I'm not going to do that. That's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. I'll hold it. Still may be a bad idea. But this is, it looks like a brown bass, right? Don't pretend like you know. But it does. It is a, a brown bass. And it, it looks real, doesn't it? It looks like someone took a brown bass and they did something with it to make it look like, did I say, oh, trout, brown trout? Don't get so mad, John King. <laughs> Did you hear him? He said something like, oh, man. <laughs> if it's not sushi, I don't know what it is, okay? <laughs> I actually got mad about it. Brown trout, brown trout. <laughs> okay, so brown trout. It's a, piece of, it's a brown trout. But it looks... There's no such thing as a brown bass, is there? It's a, it's a brown trout. And it looks just like a brown trout. People that know brown trouts know that this looks exactly, exactly like a brown trout. The coloring, the face, the fins, everything. Made out of a, a piece of wood like this. Now, did anybody else think when they see a block of wood like this, like, I can make this. I can make a, a brown trout out of that. You just don't think that way, right? No one else, anybody entering any contest anytime soon on what you can carve? You don't because probably you can't do that. I can't. Um, some of you are going to probably attempt it when you get home. Bring it next week. Show and tell. We'll see what you made. <laughs> but... It's amazing when you think of someone who's artistic like Chris 
taking something like this and saying, I'll carve it by hand and I'll make it look like a brown trout. Paint it. Give the details so that it looks as real as I can and then I'll enter into a contest and see if I win as the number one wood carving in the world. Um, there's skill that's involved. There's handiwork that's involved. There's the ability to see things that most people could never, ever possibly see. And when you look at something like this, it's just, it's, you, you see it and you're, you're in awe of what has, what has been made. For us as, as believers, um, God has taken us and he has fashioned us, molded us into who we are today. And he will mold us into who we will be for all eternity. For your sake and for mine. Can I have my phone so I know what time it is? If not, we could be here for a long time. Our bodies were made of, on the average, somewhere around 7 billion, billion, billion atoms. On the average, two thirds of us is hydrogen, a quarter of us is oxygen, and a tenth of us is carbon. That's 99% of who you are. 1%, I, I don't know. But the majority of us is made out of, of who you are as a body is hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. And, and there's 7 billion, billion, billion atoms. And God takes us and he fashions us into who we are today. You look at at us as people, though, in our nature. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's very clear that um, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. The state of our condition was such that for most you'd look upon it and think it's good for the dump. It's good for eternity apart from Christ. Not only the dump, but it's good for eternity under the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. In Ephesians chapter 2, it begins by saying, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He made us alive who were dead. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Condition was as bad as it could possibly be. But God, two of the most precious words in all of Scripture, but God, who's rich in mercy, 
because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. This is the verse that we'll focus on this morning. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now let's take verse 10 and look at it in depth. For we are his workmanship. Let's begin with the the word for. If you look in your handouts there, there's Bible verses to go with it within your bulletins. The word for brings us back to what what is it talking about in the verses right before that. In verses 8 and 9 it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? It's not based upon works. By faith, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's nothing that you could do. This, this block of wood has no ability to do anything of itself. It can't. It's dead. It can't create itself into something beautiful. It can't make it something to be treasured or something to be of any use. And our text tells us that it wasn't of works lest anyone should boast. It's not based on works. It's not based upon your accomplishments. It's not based upon how righteous you live. It's not based upon any good thing that you could ever possibly do. We are his workmanship. The very works that come forth from our lives come from him as the workman. It comes from him for You weren't saved by good works. You're not able to boast. But you were made for his workmanship. His workmanship. We are his workmanship. He is the one that is molding us. He is the one that's conforming us. He is the one that is taking who you are, who I am, and he's the master, creator, worker. Look at some texts that, that reveal that more clearly. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you think of your life. You may not think much of yourself. Maybe you look in your past and you weren't the sharpest student, you weren't the best athlete, you weren't the most beautiful. Maybe your personality was such that it was harder for you to make friends. Or maybe you were the most popular and you were the most athletic and everybody wanted to be your friend. Whatever place you 
were. I think all of us recognize we were sinners. We fell so short of being able to to muster up anything good in our lives to please a holy God. But he took you with all that you are and all that you're made of and he began to fashion you. He tells us you could be confident of that thing. The one who began the good work in you, the one who started it, the one whose Holy Spirit came and moved upon your heart and regenerated you, made you able to see, showed you your sin, enabled you to see from his word that you needed a Savior and Christ as your Savior. He's the one that began a good work in you. And he will complete it. He's going to do that work of completing you into the image of Christ. You may still feel at some times that you're, you're still kind of like this, right? Maybe a little bit rough around the edges. You think of yourself and you think like, Look, what good am I? How, how will I be used? Where do I fit in the church? Where do I fit in his kingdom? And how does God see me? I'm, I'm so thankful that it doesn't say that we are the ones that have to be the workmen. I, I'm glad that it's not based upon me to take the block that I am and fashion myself into something beautiful. Because I, I could just make a pointy spear that will impale somebody. That's all I'm good for. My skills in that arena are no good. I don't have those kind of abilities to take the wretch that I am and fashion myself into something that um, would bring glory unto my Savior. But He is. He's able to do that work. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The sovereign God of this universe has taken us, and he's the author, and he is the finisher. He's not going to leave us in this state or anything like this state. He will finish the work that he began in you. He promises you that. In Psalm 139, in verse 16, it says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, for the psalmist to write these things. He had a plan for each and every one of us from beginning to end. You could play the victim as far as like, well, you have no idea what I've been through. And be in a place of, well, if you knew my background, you would understand why I'm still in in something like this condition. You could go and and blame, 
blame your past, blame your parents, blame circumstances, blame all these things as far as like, this is why I'm still in the condition that I'm in. And yet, God tells us that your days were fashioned for you. There may be incredibly painful things that you've gone through in this life. But none of them came to you by chance. It was his holy hand. He allowed people to do sinful things and he holds them accountable for those things. But at the same time, he is molding you and shaping you and using these things for his glory. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And then, and then the psalmist goes from there saying, how precious are your thoughts towards me. He thinks of you. The details of your life. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. The way that God thinks towards you. More in number than even the sand. We go from there to look and see, not only is he the master craftsman who is working in us, but he also created us. The text tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. He created us. Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Spoke things into existence. The creator that determined that you would exist. Gave you the parents that you have. Gave them the parents that they had. Did a work and put you within your particular family. Determined your times, Acts tells us, in your dwelling places that you would grope for him and find him. You see God's sovereign hand molding you, conforming you, working in you, but he was the creator of you. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He made us. He's our creator. But it goes further than that. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Creation is an awesome thing when you think of God speaking things into existence. Universes, planets, mountains and streams and oceans and animals and people made in his own image. It's not hard to go to someplace beautiful and look upon it and just be in awe of the incredible creator who we serve. But I encourage you this morning to be in awe of what he's done in you. Creating the universe, that's not more difficult than making you, a sinner, dead in your sins and trespasses, into a new creation. You are created in him. A creation that took place in which radically transformed, regenerated, changed If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed and behold, all things become new. Galatians 6.14 tells us this, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. It's not the works that has done it. It is God has recreated us, made us a new creation in him. And it's an awesome thing that he's done. John 1.12 tells us this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You have been born of God. You have been born again as a believer. That work of creating radically has transformed you. And it's not that we are something around looking like this block right now and that God is going to make something of us that is of beauty. Know that he has made you a new creation already. Right now, like, if you were to die by the grace of God through faith in him, through the work of Christ upon the cross, you will enter into eternity without any spot or any blemish whatsoever. So thankful for that. So thankful for grace. That through Christ's work upon the cross, my sins have been removed from me. Every one of them. Everyone that I've ever committed and everyone that I ever will commit, gone. Hurled into the depths of the sea. He's made me alive. He's made me adopted into his, his family. He's given me a new heart. He has totally recreated me and you in such a way that he says you are a new creation in Christ. It's not circumcision. It's not uncircumcision. It's not any kind of works, but it's being made a new creation in Christ. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. He's doing this in you. He's working in you. He's accomplishing something through you. And it's awesome to see. Our text tells us that he has done these things as far as we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. It's part of why he created us. And so in the context of our of our text in Ephesians, you see that he made you alive. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You once walked according to the course of this world and so on and so forth. But he saved you. And it came through faith, by grace, through faith. It wasn't of yourself. It wasn't something that you did. It wasn't of works. It wasn't something that you could ever boast in. But he did that from beginning to end. And now he's molding you and fashioning you and working in you. Accomplishing what he's going to do. He's the workman. You were created in Christ Jesus for the purpose for good works. The good works are there, but it is not the good works that save us. It's God doing that work in us. In Galatians 5.22, it tells us, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 
And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The Holy Spirit takes residence within us, and there's fruit that comes from that. It's evident as we look upon the believer. You've been changed. You think differently. Your longings are different. You're not all about just pleasing yourself, but you want to please the Lord. You still sin if anyone says he's without sin. You lie and the truth isn't in you. We're all sinners. But he's working in us and he's molding us and he's conforming us into his image. And there's fruit that's coming out of your life. Some of those things look like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's part of it. But God's doing that work. The Holy Spirit is within you and he is accomplishing these things in your life. You're not saved by your good works so that you will never be able to boast. But at the same time, upon saving you, He didn't leave you in a place of, and good luck to you now. I've done my part, now you do your part. He is working in you, producing that. Changing you. Do you notice that your affections are different, the things that you desire are different now? Before, you may have been all about your image and how people saw you. But now you care about other people. May have been before that you were just full of pride. But now God's humbled you and shown you that you're a sinner and you're in desperate need of grace. You may have been all about stuff, building up treasures here on earth. But now, there's a change that's taking place. You want treasures up in heaven. You maybe once looked at your assets and what you make and what your job is and thought, I'm good at what I do. That's why they keep me. That's why they pay me. That's why they pay me as much as I do. they do. It's because I'm good at what I do. And now you see, like, no, God made me this way. God made me good at what I do. God entrusts me with a certain amount of funds. Gives me a certain amount of funds that he's entrusted me with. They're not mine. He's just entrusted me with these things to use for his glory. And so there's a shift that takes place to where giving unto the Lord isn't drudgery. It's not painful. There's a joy that comes in giving an offering unto the Lord. Cheerful givers. A radical change that took place in this because the Holy Spirit's within you. He's changed you. He's changed the way that you think to where you look forward to seeing how God would use what he's entrusted you with for the purpose of the gospel and the building up of the saints and work in his mighty work. It's a change that's occurred. You're convicted of sin. You hate it. You desire righteousness. That was never there before. You may have been covered with guilt, but it wasn't a godly guilt. And it wasn't a godly sorrow. And God's changed that to where you now desire the things that please him. 
He gives you a love for him where you sing and it's truly praise unto him. Not just singing songs. It's praise unto him. It's a work that the Holy Spirit has done in you and he's working mightily in the fruit that's coming from you and it's the result of him. Him accomplishing these things. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, it says this, as each one has received a gift. Just stop in there for a second. He's seen something inside you as far as this is how I've gifted them and this is how I'm going to use them. Now, Chris Langford looks at something like this and says, I know what I'm going to make. I can make a brown trout out of this. I can make, it's confusing when it's basswood and he made a trout. Come on, easy confusion. I don't fish. I don't know these things. But he sees this and says, I can make a brown trout out of that. It'll look just like a brown trout. God has looked and he knows exactly the way in which he has gifted you. He's gifted you in a way that's going to bring the most glory and honor to him. Each one of us. The text tells us, as each one has received a gift, minister to it to one another. Use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He's made you into somebody. He's gifted you into somebody. Now, use it. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies Those words are a blessing to me. I hope they are to you too. When you start thinking of who God has made in you and the way in which he's gifted you and how you are to do the things that God's called you to do here within the church, being a light unto the world, in all that God's called you to, isn't it wonderful to know that he has gifted you and he tells you, now do this with the ability which God supplies He is the supply. He gives you the abilities. He is the one that does that work. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, I don't want to pastor this church with the ability that I have. You don't want to be a member of the church serving in the giftedness that you have. Um, through your own flesh. You want to be in a place of with the abilities that God supplies for his glory. For his glory. It's not about me. It's not about how good I am. It's not about how good I look or how far along I am in this process of sanctification. It's not about your giftedness and what you can boast of in any way. It's God taking you gifting you and using you with the abilities that he supplies for his glory. And he does that.
Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what we want. We want God to take us and use us in a way that we don't get the glory he does. He takes us, molds us, shapes us, does this work as the workman so that they would see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The good works are to be there. We're not to look upon our salvation as far as salvation that comes by faith alone and say, I don't need to do anything. What we look at and see is we're not saved by those good works at all. But he is the workman. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And then it tells us, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Prepared beforehand, there's a purpose there. Do you get the idea through our text here that God's sovereign in these things? He may have made you a little bit more quiet, or he may have made you more of a thinker. He may have made you someone who, who... has the ability just to have people feel loved and cared for around you. He's maybe given you the ability to to see people who are hurting and have a heart to minister to them. He does this. The good works in which he's called you to, he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Look at Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Determined that that would take place. Predestined you that you would not stay in such a state like this, but that he would mold you to be who he's called you to be. Jesus says in John fifteen five, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He's the workman. He's your creator. But he has also worked in you in such a way that He's the vine, you're the branches. You will bear much fruit from abiding in him because without him, you can't do anything. He gets all the glory. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, it says this, for who makes you different from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, it's him. He prepared these things beforehand that you should walk in them. He chose you, Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so it's God working in us and through us. So how should we then live? What should we do? My encouragement to you this morning is pray. I mean, think, think on these things as far as your dependency upon him, what he has gifted you in, how he has called you, what he's accomplishing in you. He guarantees you that at the end, he will make something beautiful and for his glory, and you'll be molded and conformed into the image of Christ. But in the interim, how do we think? Pray. Here's some of the prayers here that, that Paul gave here in 2 Thessalonians 2.16. Now may our... Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts 
and establish you in every good word, good word and work. It's a prayer for it. Lord, do a work in me. Lord, enable me to glorify you today. Enable me to go to church and have eyes that are your, like your eyes, to be able to see somebody who I can minister to. Enable me to stir up the gifts that you've given me so that I would be a blessing to the people who are around me. Help me not to wish that I had that person's gifts or this other person's gifts, but help me just to look and say, you've gifted me like this. You saw who I was to be in this person and you're working in me to mold me into who you're calling me to be. Now, God, do that work. Look at the prayer in Colossians 1.10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in your knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. There's a prayer that, that, that goes forth that you would walk worthy of the Lord. I pray this for you on a regular basis. Lord, work mightily through our church today, throughout the week. May you use them to shine brightly in this area. Enable them to make disciples. Work in such a way that when people see the members of Reverence Bible Church, that they see you, that you're glorified through them. Enable them to stir up the gifts that they have and work mightily through that for the building up of the body here. I pray for that because it's not a program and it's not my doing and it's not anybody else's doing. It's the Lord working in us. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. In Hebrews 13 and verse 20 it says this, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a prayer of Lord, you do this. Notice what it says here. May he make you complete in every good work to do his will. May he do that. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. May he do that work. I read a story this week of a famous actor who was at this event. And um, people were having him read different stories and listening to him as he spoke with such a powerful voice and enunciated so perfectly. And there's an old pastor that was at this event. And the pastor said, can you read Psalm 23? And he did. He read Psalm 23 and it was beautiful. And everybody applauded afterwards. What an amazing way that he read that passage. And then the actor said, can you read Psalm 23? And this old man, this old pastor did. He read it and his voice crackled some after years and years of preaching. He didn't sound polished or anything like that. But at the end of reading Psalm 23, there wasn't a dry eye in that place. 
Someone asked the actor, what do you think the difference was? And the actor said, I knew the song. The pastor knew the shepherd. It's a radical difference. It wasn't from being polished and it wasn't through his abilities, but it was through knowing the shepherd. You know the shepherd and you speak in such a way where you know when to weep with those that are weeping. You know when to go upon your knees and to pray. You know that it's God that works in you. And so through his ability, you do things and, and God's glorified through it. How should we then live? Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful. Brothers and sisters, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Can we do that? Can we consider one another? As you look around this room and for those who aren't here this morning but you know it belong to our church. Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's important. But consider one another here in this room that we might stir up love and good works through his ability, through his calling, through him working to use you and your giftedness for the building up of all the rest of us. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. The motivation of us wanting to abide closely in him and be used by him and be stirring up the gifts that he's given us and using what he's entrusted to us for his glory and being a blessing to those that are around us and having eyes to see. We pray that God would make us, as we see what he has accomplished for us, zealous for Good works. You start caring about each other and using the gifts that God's given you and there's zeal that is there. That is not something you muster up, but it is something that we ought to pray for. If you've been consumed with yourself and you want to just be all about yourself, pray that God would change that in you. Pray God would make it so that we are zealous for good works and ministering one to another. Lastly, in Luke 9.23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. May God give us that heart to deny ourselves, to take up his cross daily, and to follow him. I don't know the 
way that you see yourself. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and your hope for salvation is in his work upon the cross, it's because God did that in you. God did that in you. He began the good work. And God looks upon you and whom he has made. Before he created this world, he knew all about you. His thoughts towards you were more than the sand of the sea. And he looks upon you. And you may be someplace around this state right now here of a block. And yet he sees through it all. He's gifted you in such a way that he's carving and chipping and doing stuff. And some of it isn't the most pleasant, right? But he's doing this and he's carving and he's chipping and he's doing stuff. Be thankful for that. If he's humbling you, be thankful. If his Holy Spirit is bringing you to your knees in tears, be thankful. If he's putting people around you that are good examples, look upon them. If he's convicting you of sin, listen to him. He's molding you and he's conforming you and he's doing this work. And he gets all of the glory for it. But I pray that that on this morning when you read a text like this, it gives you great joy and confidence in our Savior. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's doing that. And I pray that we'd be so zealous for him and for these things that we would shine so brightly in this valley, in this county, throughout this world. That upon looking at what he has made, what he has done, people will see it and will glorify our Father who's in heaven. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful. We're thankful that you're the author and the finisher. We're thankful that this is not us being the workman, but it's you. You're accomplishing what you're going to accomplish, Lord, for your glory, for our good, for the building up of the saints, and that my others might know you. I pray, Lord, that you would work mightily in each heart here, taking sin out of our lives, giving us a passion for you, Lord, and that the, the zeal for good works would just come forth fueled by worship of you thankfulness for you, obedience to your word with the abilities that you provide. May there be much, much fruit coming from our lives and we will give you all the glory. Be glorified now through the praises of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.